This is a podcast by The Straits Times. He was one of Singapore's top national boxers, meddling at three straight SEA Games from 2011 to 2015, and then carried that success into the professional scene, becoming Singapore's first male world champion in 2017, with even Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loong labelling his win inspiring. Now, Mohamed Ridwan, also known by his ring moniker, The Chosen One, is ready to pass on his knowledge to the next generation of pugilists after taking on the role of co-coach of the national squad. He joins me, ST Sports correspondent Sazali Abdul-Aziz, on this episode of ST Sports Talk to chat about his new role with the Singapore Boxing Federation, our boxer's potential and how hard it was for him to hang up his gloves. So hi Wan and thank you for taking the time to talk to us. No problem man, thank you for having me. Okay, so maybe you can start by uh, first talking about how this move uh, to join the coaching setup in uh, the Singapore Boxing Federation came about. Um, okay, so I saw they posted it on social media about opening a spot for the national coach position. So I, I was giving it a thought. I, I didn't really think much about it because I thought I would be too busy doing other things. But then after a few um, people asking me to try and apply because they, f- they feel that like I can really contribute to the team. So um, I decided that um, why not, maybe this is my calling, maybe this is the next challenge that I am looking towards because knowing me, you know, I always like to do things that are difficult. So uh, it's only natural for me to, to decide to, to do something that's difficult, which is to be one of the coaches for the Singapore boxing team. So you, you were obviously one of our top amateur boxers and one of our top professional boxers as well. What experiences will you be taking from your time as an athlete, which was, you know, not too long ago, just a few years ago, uh, into your new role as, you know, a co-national coach? I think what's unique about my experience is that I competed as a Singapore boxer who is quite, what I say, well adapted to the to the current culture, to the current challenges, to the current difficulties and tasks that lies ahead for other Singaporean boxers. So I know what they will feel. I know what they will think about. I know their worries. And it's beyond the technical aspects of coaching. It's the mentality of this of these boxers, not knowing whether they will be able to compete, whether there's enough funds for them to go for overseas competitions. For the Singaporean boxers, I think the challenge is to keep them hungry, to keep them motivated, to continue training, to make sure that they progress and at the same time not lose interest because I think our culture is very different. We don't have a natural culture where we are more towards sports. So it's going to take a little bit of a different approach to reach out to these, to these athletes. You mentioned about this you know, culture and this motivation issues. Uh, focusing on your time as an amateur athlete, meaning you know you, you box at the SEA Games and so on. How hard was it to, to stay hungry and stay motivated? Um, it's very difficult because most of the time you have to sacrifice time for training. And when you sacrifice time for training, means you are able to work less. And when you work less, you got less money. And but then at the same time, you know you need money for the daily expenses. You need money to to go overseas and to compete. You need money to invest in yourself for overseas training camps. So at some point of time, I mean, a lot of whispers from the people around you, from family, from friends, they will say, "Why are you doing this for? There's no point. It's probably not going to go anywhere." So it takes a little different kind of motivation and dedication to the sport for them to want to do it. And when you have some people in the team that believe in you, then uh, if the management really cares for you, um, not in terms of money, but I think in terms of a structure, giving them a goal to work towards, I think that would help a lot for, for the boxer. So uh, I mentioned earlier your position is co-coach. You are co-coach with uh, David Alexis, uh, who is also an, uh, a former national boxer, but you know from the 90s. Uh, have you and him sort of had any discussions um, about you know the current 
uh, talent lah, the, the the current boxers that that SBF has under its charge, and and what do you think about our level of talent at the moment? I think we both agree that we currently have um some promising boxers in the men's and the women's division, but there needs to be a little bit more tweaking, a little bit more uh monitoring in terms of their training programs. I think we both will work very well. Because I mean, I've been under him for I've under him before. I know how he works. I know how he thinks, and he knows how I think also. It will be a good combination in terms of experience, in terms of knowledge. Because I think he's a Iba level two coach or level three. I can't remember. And I graduated from the University of Physical Education for boxing, and I think we can share our knowledge, share our experiences, what we see, um, and apply that uh, to the boxes. Well, you mentioned we have some promising talents. You know, in in Hanoi at, at the recent Hanoi Sea Games, we only had uh, Hanudin and Dini. Eh? Uh, Dini returned with a bronze medal, uh, and uh, Hanur had a, a very tough draw and was knocked out. I think in the quarterfinals. Uh, are we targeting more boxers, more individuals uh, for the Cambodia Sea Games uh, next year? I think right now we need to be strategic in in how we move our boxers. I think um, one of the requirements is we have to beat one of the top three boxers to prove that we are able to compete at that level. So we are going to be sending our boxers to local tournaments, uh, international tournaments, where these boxers are participating themselves, those who are competing in the SEA Games. We want to get a win, and if we can't get them, then we're going to try to get, um, for example, Danisha. Danisha couldn't make it to the SEA Games this year. So we're going to try to build up her resume, her experience, and we're going to bring down the Australian number one to Singapore in June for the Legacy Women's Boxing Championship that we're going to hold. So hopefully when she wins this, I believe she will win this. If she wins Australia number one, I think it will be quite a huge statement to to prove that she she belongs at the top level. And and mentioning the Cambodia Sea Games itself, it's just 11 months away. It's less than a year. Uh, obviously, you come in with a lot of optimism, but just how much of an improvement do you think we can make until then? You know, it's, oh, 11 months is not a long period of time. Yeah, realistically, I can't really expect a lot out of this uh, at least because to me, it takes, uh, it takes a lot of years. And I have been away from the national team for very long. I will be meeting them tomorrow to tell them about my expectations, about my goals, what uh, the expectations I have for them, for the team. And I will see their interest level and who's willing to, to step up because... I, because I'm a very demanding person when it comes to training. And as a coach, I think it will be the same. If not, I will be more difficult. But I guess if we follow the plan, we have a structure. Uh, with a bit of luck, I think we can pull off some good results. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. And now, back to our conversation with national boxing coach Muhammad Ridwan. So one, you, you hung up your gloves uh, at the end of 2019, I believe, uh, as a professional fighter. Uh, maybe can you share with us, you know, what you've been doing in the last two years since? Mm, <laughs> I think since I've uh, sort of retired. I mean, I didn't make a conscious effort to retire because I think after my last fight, I think we had an agreement with a local promoter to fight for the WBC title. Um, but somehow at the same time, COVID happened and the event got to, to be cancelled. So I guess I was sort of like um, forced to retire. And since then, I've been busy coaching, just trying to keep the gyms alive um, because of the rent, because of the COVID situation where we can't get people in. So that's a huge challenge. So I'm just trying to keep the business afloat and at the same time expand it as best as possible. During that time also, I think a lot of boxers uh, came up to me and asked me for my help to prepare them for their fights, whether amateur. And then now I have pretty 
who's doing pro. So all this coaching takes a lot of my time. I think almost every day I'm like out working 12 to 14 hours. So I didn't really have the time to think about my retirement. <laughs> yeah, so it just happened. Yeah. It just happened. Let, let's say it sounds like it. It sounds like you were still very much in your mind a, a pro fighter. And then suddenly one thing, you know, the, the title didn't happen. COVID happened. Other things happened. You started coaching more people. And then next thing you know, you're retired. When was that realization for you that, hey, you know, you're, ne- you're, you're not going to step into the ring again, you know, for another professional fight? Yeah, I think I didn't have a pro- proper closure because I think even this year, I will still, uh, some promoter in New Zealand contacted me to say that uh, they want me to come over in June to fight one of the boxers. So I said, okay. But until now, they haven't got back. So maybe they are taking some time off or I have no idea. And I spoke to a local promoter also to get me a fight maybe. But then they said they are not sure whether they can make it happen. And then at the same time, the coaching duties, the coaching responsibilities get so much more. And then I just sort of have to accept that. You know what? I think I think fighting doesn't seem so realistic right now. So maybe my my responsibility now is to like groom the next upcoming ones. So th- that's the thing, you know. There's you know a saying that sometimes the fight game is the most dangerous when a fighter is not motivated or not hungry. When you step into a ring and then you you don't have that hunger and 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 that fire. Was it hard for you to almost lose that fire to compete? I mean, obviously you still love boxing, eh? But you know to to go in there as a fighter because you've not done it for so long and because of different reasons. Was it hard for you to process that feeling? I think, to be honest, it's very difficult because I think a lot of times I still feel like I am going to be fighting in the next two months or three months. Sometimes when I'm in the corner of my fighters, I'll be like, I'm just thinking more like a fighter than a coach. So it, it takes quite some time to adjust and change heads because I can't be thinking what I would do in the ring. So I would have to think like, what would the boxer do for, for himself at that point of time. So to think like a coach, I think you cannot be selfish. I think I've readily accepted that my fighting years are over. And now with the newly appointed um, task to, to lead the Singapore national team, this is going to take 100% of my time because I don't think it's fair for me to... I don't think it's fair for them to have a coach that is at this level to think that, oh, this guy might be going to fight again and has, has to be selfish for a few months. I wouldn't want that kind of coach. So I I don't think it's fair for me to be that person to, to the boxers that's waiting for me to help them. And you mentioned uh, Pritif uh, Raj is one of the male boxers under your charge. How many male boxers do you have and, and at, at what stage of their careers are they? Um, I think I've led a few of our Legends team boxers to, to win nationals. And in terms of pro, for now I only have Pritif. I'm quite busy with the women's boxing team, the development team and the community team. So the, the development team uh, is like my baby. So I'm really taking care of the of the training program, the structure. Me and Leona are like really heading the, the training on our own to get the funds on our own. That's why I went to to do a charity, like a charity sparring contest with one of the boxing coaches here in Singapore to, to raise funds for the women's boxing competition that's going to be happening in June. So I guess um, I still get to compete in a way like just for fun, sparring for a good cause. So that sort of like keeps the each away. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Leona. Leona, of course, is uh, Leona Hui, uh, a former national boxer herself. Uh, you guys have both uh, taken a considerable amount of uh, your effort into pushing women's boxing, uh, particularly during the COVID period. Uh, can you share like why that was an area of special interest for you? I think for me, one of the things about women's boxing, the, the women in Singapore, they are very united. And they work together out of nothing. They so all the ladies have different professions or different contexts, different networks. So they put whatever that they know, whoever that they know, they put it together. 
to make this whole thing happen. So because it's organic, so the the support is real, and the ladies show genuine interest. So there's always room for growth, lah. And women's boxing is still sort of, I think, from a world stage, it's still quite new. So there's a lot of opportunities there for for women's boxing for for Singapore. Yeah, Wan, thank you so much for your time, and uh, let's hope that women's boxing and the national boxing sport both advance under your watch. Yep, thank you, thank you. Definitely, there's a goal. That was a podcast by the Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O.